morning and welcome to In the Kitchen. It's just my custom say good morning, even though I've admitted three or four times that I know you don't watch this in the morning. We record it in the morning, so that's how this goes. Uh, my name's Darren, and I'm one of the shepherds on staff at Fullerton Free Church. And uh, with me this morning are several lovely, wonderful friends of mine. Uh, I've got Bambi, who is our shepherd of host ministries and all things... You know, kind of greeting and loving and ushering and making sure people have communion and there's a lot. There's a lot of that. But anyway, so that's Bambi. This is Cassie, who's our shepherd of our intern ministries. Shepherd of intern? Shepherd of interns. Internships? Either one. I'll answer to you. Exactly. Whatever. That's Cassie. And then Curtis Kaufman, who's our shepherd of college ministry and uh, oversees base camp and also has been kind of plugged in on lots of different things recently, which is fun. So... Anyway, excited to have them with me. As you may know, if you're watching this or listening to it, uh, you th- this is a weekly podcast that we do in preparation for the teaching on Sunday. Um, the idea being that for some of you who may be uh, a little bit fatigued on watching a live stream and can't make it out to the rooftop service on Sunday nights, that this would give you some tools that then would allow you to prepare your own teaching around your coffee table or with your kiddos or your spouse or your roommates or whatever, um, or even just your own study by yourself. So we're going to try and give you some tools Today we're looking at Daniel chapter 4, and uh, we'll be teaching this this Sunday. Now I'll say this before we look at the text, this is a really long chapter, so even in our services, um, we'll only be reading together like verses 19 through 27. I'll summarize some of the rest um, before we read 19 through 27 here. So the summary is this, um, this is an autobiographical chapter, which is really interesting. It appears to be in the voice of Nebuchadnezzar himself. He begins at the top by saying, Hey, I, I need to tell you about this thing that happened with me. So if you look at uh, the first couple of verses, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. He goes on then to describe a dream he, he has That he says terrifies him. Now it's interesting because the first dream he had, if you remember back to Daniel 2, uh, was a dream that troubled him. This one he says makes him afraid. So it's a different kind of a dream. He starts describing the dream and essentially what he envisions is a a tree, a, a mighty tree that provides food and shade to all these animals that come and gather under it. And then essentially an angelic being comes and chops the tree down and caps the stump uh, with metal. And he's, he's troubled by this. It's like, what's, what's going on with this story? So he ends up calling Belteshazzar, or Daniel, and that's where we pick it up in our reading this morning. Let's, uh, I'll, I'll start reading at 19. It says, Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Uh, Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream be for those who hate you, and its interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw which grew and became strong so that its top reached to heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant and in which was food for all under which beasts of the field found shade and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven and your dominion to the ends of the earth. Because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, But leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze, in the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field, till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king, 
that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven. And seven periods of time shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness, and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. As we go into the end of the chapter, uh, we see that all of these things happen exactly the way it's described. And, and he ends up having, Nebuchadnezzar ends up having kind of a season of wildness. He goes kind of crazy. We were talking about it beforehand. He may have had a condition where he thought he was a cow, which Cassie says is a real thing. Um, <laughs> but he, he ends up... Um, basically becoming wild and living out in the fields until a certain season passes and then he comes back. Um, he was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox. And then uh, if you look at 34 and following, it says Nebuchadnezzar was restored. And he talks about that restoration. His reason returned to him uh, for the glory of his kingdom. He, he recognized who God was and came back. Um, and then in 37, he says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right, and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. So so for a quick summary here, um, as far as my teaching goes uh, on Sunday, the, the, the approach, it's really hard with a long text like this to get into nitty-gritty details on all of the different aspects of the dream and whatever. My approach will be to look at this and say, at the end of the day, what God is trying to show Nebuchadnezzar is that he's in charge. He's trying to show Nebuchadnezzar that... Heaven rules, which, by the way, would look really good on a t-shirt. College students would love that. Heaven rules. Um, that, that God is in charge. The dream that Nebuchadnezzar has is essentially, um, it's, it's an envisioning of his own power. Nebuchadnezzar sees himself as, as this mighty tree under which all the peoples and the animals of the earth provide, get their sustenance and find their shade and are taken care of. And God's going, no, 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 you're, you're not the tree, bro. You're one of the animals that lives under the tree. I'm the tree, and just to prove it to you, we're going to chop the tree down, and then you're going to end up living like one of the beasts that you envisioned taking its provision from you. You're going to realize you're someone who's dependent rather than someone who is the giver of all things. Um, what I love in this, and my points of application in looking at it, will be to sort of assess the fact that sometimes as people who are seeking to have a prophetic engagement, which is sort of what we're studying all along, that there are times where we're called to communicate things to people that are hard. You know, like it's fun to talk to people and go, hey, Jesus loves you and he died for you and you could be redeemed and rescued and whatever. But it's not super easy to communicate to people that they're going to be punished or that there are consequences or that their pride is run out of control. I love the fact that Daniel here um, is willing to communicate difficult message. And I think that's an important note for us to know. When, when we have to communicate difficult things, how do we do that with courage? How do we do that with grace? I would say the second, the second thing I love in this is that he clearly has compassion on Daniel. So I love the fact that when Daniel gives the interpretation, he says, I wish this interpretation wasn't for you. So not only does he communicate the truth, but he shows in it like, man, I wish this was for your enemies. So there is an articulation of the consequence of, of Nebuchadnezzar's pride, but it's done with a heart that says... I wish this wasn't happening, which shows that he cares about the person, even in the midst of the consequence of it. And then and then the last thing I like here is there's even a, a bit of counsel. So I like that, that he is compassionate. I like that he gives this clarity. 
But I also love the fact that he that he kind of counsels Nebuchadnezzar and in some ways says, hey, you know, it, it would be really helpful. So verse 27, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your in- iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. So even though God has said, this is what's going to happen, and this is the consequence for your pride, Daniel still comes back and says, I don't know. I mean, I know who God is, and I know what God has said, but who knows what God will do? And maybe, Nebuchadnezzar, if you change your posture and you humble yourself, maybe this won't come to pass. I love this as a recipe for prophetic engagement in my city and with my neighbors and in our community and in our world that we would be able to look at our world and go, yeah, there is a consequence to sin. And if you're separated from God, like that's not going to be great for you. Like that's an eternal consequence. But you could be redeemed by Jesus. Turn to him because I love you. And I wish this wasn't happening to you. And, what you know, like I think that compassion mixed with the clarity and the willingness to come alongside people and go, there is a different way to live. Like you, you could turn the corner here. Daniel demonstrates all that really beautifully. Okay, so... That will be the emphasis of my teaching um, in Daniel 4. Um, There are a lot of other things we could pull out, but um, as we're trying to put tools in the belt of the people that are watching at home, what are the things that stand out to you? Maybe there are points of application. Maybe there are other texts that you would turn to. Maybe there are things that sparks in your mind. What do you guys see? Uh, Where else might you go in a text like this? Uh, I was looking towards, I thought, growing up, I thought pride was something that you kind of had to build, like you had to like, like do something to, to be prideful about it. And then I met my third child and realized that uh, pride is just in, ingrained in, in your guts. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, well, it's genetic. She's right. Thank you. She's the one that I, I'll tell Renee to watch this. Um, <laughs> she's a, uh, but my one and a half year old is, is prideful and it's, and it's there. Now, when I think about exactly what you just said, how, how Daniel clarifies, Daniel has a heart of, of, care for Nebuchadnezzar. He doesn't, he, he wants God's grace and, and his peace and his mercy to deal with it. Not, not this, this type of ugly justice. Like, and I think when I think about my, my child and how one day she's, she's going to wake up to the consequences of this, this pridefulness and this brokenness. Um, and my desire is that, uh, God would, would deal with her with grace and mercy and, and love but I, I have to be honest and say, when I look in our culture and I look in our world, that uh, I don't always feel the same about those that I think are prideful and arrogant, especially those who are either uh, running companies or elected officials or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't always feel the same. Sometimes I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait till they get their justice. I can't wait till okay. God gets a hold of them. When in reality, I should be the one screaming... Jesus can redeem them and Jesus can, can hold them and love them. And I think as I think about teaching this in my home and, and displaying this in my home, I I want, I, I want to be one of those who says it's, it's, it's not too late. Jesus can still have his moment with them and still redeem them and still grab their broken. Interesting how often we are anxious for other people to get what they deserve. Absolutely. When in fact, because of the grace of God, we, we've not been given what we deserve. You know, he's, he's, um, He's redeemed us from that. So it's funny how often our hearts go, oh man, I can't wait for this person to get get what's coming to them. Yeah. What else? Uh, to kind of go off of that, when I first read like 19 through 20, kind of Daniel's heart before 
sharing i actually first was reading it as is he just like paralyzed by fear because mm. he it kind of says he's dismayed for a while which we don't know how long his thoughts alarmed him right. and then when he shared about my lord may the dream be for those who, who you hate and and i kind of thought oh is he like kind of Pandering. being fearful like i hope it's not for you and then when you read on it and even you know daniel's character it's obvious what you just said here is that he's He's actually being compassionate and actually showing the heart of God. But yeah. when you first read that, I think there's a little bit of humanness in Daniel of like, that's kind of us too when we have to share stuff that's like, this is true, but it's it's going to be hard to hear. Right. So I kind of hear a little bit of that from Daniel too. And I think that's relatable maybe for me because I can be more fearful. And so I think thinking, oh man, I'm about to share this to the king. He could literally murder me. Right. And I'm sharing now, hey, you're going to be a cow basically and, and have like <laughs> giant claws. Like that's going to be your life for a long time. Um yeah, I don't know. So that, that's kind of what I take away from Daniel, I guess. Yeah, it is tricky sometimes to overcome that, like, what are people going to think of yeah. what I have to say? What are they going to say about it? Is this going to wreck my relationship? You know, I think we've probably all had conversations with people where they ask us a question of, well, what does the Bible say about this? Or what does the Bible say about that? Yeah. And then you, you just think, well, I'm going to tell you what the scripture says. But I know before we even dive into this thing. You're not going to like this and it might do something to our relationship even. You know, like Mm -hmm. when I, you asked me, so I'm going to tell you, but this could be heavy, you know, it's hard. Mm -hmm. What about you, Bambi? What do you see here? Well, what stood out for me was just the the verbs and the action points in verse 27 in closing. It gives me hope because it says, you know, to break off your sins and then Practicing righteousness. So when I practice something, I'm not very good in the beginning. Right. Right. When when I'm practicing something, it's it's kind of awkward, and and I think that's a that's a a big realization for me in shepherding our folks. Mm. That in the beginning, as they're learning certain new things, um, it will take time. It'll look awkward in the beginning. It'll look kind of um, just baby steps that they're starting. And I love that that is part of the hopeful message that he gives um, Nebuchadnezzar. And then he says, and your iniquities by, so breaking off your sins by practicing righteousness, and then your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed. I mean, it's pretty clear what he's asking Nebuchadnezzar to do. And I think when we read God's word, I love the clarity of the next steps that he's telling us to do. Yeah. Yeah, there's a pathway there. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting that Nebuchadnezzar doesn't take that suggestion. You know what I mean? Yeah. So sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like I've only been successful mm-hmm. in communicating the truth if the person I'm talking to agrees and turns the corner. You know, if I go, well, you should be living like this. And they go, oh, thanks for sharing. I'll start doing that immediately. That feels like I did it. But the reality That's is, and we see this in the text, <laughs> that success for the, for the prophet or success for the uh, ambassador is not in changing the life of the other person because we can't do that anyway. Success is simply in articulating what God has said clearly mm-hmm. and showing compassion. And so it's interesting. It says in 29, at the end of 12 months, there Nebuchadnezzar was walking on the roof of the palace. And the king answered and said, is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my <laughs> mighty power as a royal residence? But, you know, and you're like, did you not hear any of that? You know, like there was this really clear, mm-hmm. compassionate call to like turn around. Nebuchadnezzar doesn't get it. But that doesn't mean Daniel failed in this text. Daniel, Daniel was successful in communicating God's truth, in expressing compassion, and in giving this guy some counsel as far as like, you you could do things differently here. The fact that Nebuchadnezzar doesn't take that counsel doesn't change the fact that Daniel did the right thing. Um, okay, well, we're getting close to our time. 
Anything else that stands out to you or anything else you want to reference or point to? I just, I really, the closing, the way Nebuchadnezzar closes it, and you spoke on this earlier, 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right and all his ways are just, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. He, he, he ends sort of his, his whole statement of, it was, it was God that took me through this, and, and, he's, and he's done this. But he doesn't, oftentimes when God takes us through something, we, we can hinge on, God is so great, God is so good, but not necessarily bring up, because I, I was dealing with this, or I was doing this thing, or this was my brokenness. And he doesn't miss that. He says, God can, can humble the prideful. And, and God is exactly who he is. He said who he is. And he's taken me through these steps. To, to humble the pride because right. it was pride. Like he's not he's not keeping that hidden or, right. or back on the back burner. He's saying it was pride that I needed to be humbled by and God did it and, and yeah. it's praise be to him. So. It's cool when you can come through a discipline like this. You know, like when you can come through a, a moment where you got you got spanked <laughs> and yet you come out on the other side and you're, you're not bitter and you're not angry but instead you've learned something about God. So for him at the end of this to go his ways are great and and he can humble the prideful. He's talking about his that's his own story, yeah. but it's transformed into glory for God. Yeah. So he's transformed his own kind of miserable experience in an act of worship, a declaration mm -hmm. of adoration, which is pretty cool. And I don't know that I don't know that I get that all the time. You know, like I think for me, a lot of times I get okay, I'm I'm punished. I know I need to change. All right, I'll do better next time. But I don't take that extra step to go, what does this disciplinary action or what is this correction? teach me about the goodness and character of God and how can I declare that to other people? A lot of times you just sort of want to like take it on the chin and move on. Cool here. Okay. I think we're tight. Anybody else? Good. Thank you guys so much for jumping in. As always, these videos are short on purpose because we're, uh, we're wanting to, uh, to just give you a couple of things to chew on and we hope that you're teaching in your homes and, uh, and in your apartments and in your I don't know, out on your picnic tables. I have no idea where you're doing this, but we hope that it's blessed. And uh, God bless you. Have a great rest of your week. And go Dodgers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Just felt like I had to throw that in. Yeah. It's had to be said. <laughs> I'm doing it.